0: I wasn't planning on releasing an episode tonight uh, but a number of things happened and I thought, you know what, what the hell, I'll release one more. And I, uh, something a bit absurd happened today, uh, an episode that I released only a few days ago which included snippets of an interview my father gave in uh, in March of 2013. For some reason it was pulled from YouTube and my guess is that it's a copyright issue with MTV Lebanon although i had the permission to use that material i guess it's uh, it's either outdated permission or youtube doesn't really care per se about that um that um it could just be that it's a it's it's a pull from a previous mtv interview which is also available on youtube and in case it sort of remains pulled i've i've appealed the decision and hopefully it'll be back up if it's not and if that copyright stuff is beyond my control Um, included in this episode in the details box is the link to the original interview that appeared in March of 2013. So the original content is still online, which is good. Um, I I doubt it's for any other reason, because the reasons they gave me were a bit outrageous. Uh, Sexuality, vulgarity, violence, uh, animal torture, things that I don't, Get myself involved in, and I don't create content that has to do with uh, things that are any. I don't take risks, at least when it comes to uh, when it comes to producing these episodes. Um, my bet is that it's a content uh, copyright issue. Anyway, fingers crossed, it's put back. Otherwise, the original interview is in this episode, in the details box. Uh, another thing I wanted to share is that um, the absurd situation we're going through in Lebanon right now. Um, the fact that people are taking risks despite COVID-19 and despite all the other difficulties that are, that are, uh, I think, uh, going to persist beyond COVID-19, all the structural problems of the country, all the intimidation, all the pressure as well for these protesters to go home. Um, I think the fact that they're still out championing the initial demands that were shouted in October of last year, uh, I guess that's the only room for hope. Because otherwise, uh, I sense that perhaps if enough economic recalibration happens, if some of the pain is alleviated, if there is a sense that things may be returning to a familiar comfort zone, I worry that enough people will just step back into that comfort zone. And by comfort zone, I mean the familiarity of the post-war Lebanese situation. And I had a conversation earlier this evening with a friend uh, talking about just the, the pain of not being able to help. And this is a friend abroad trying to send money home knowing that that money would be locked Uh, relatives in Lebanon that are struggling and friends that are finding it difficult to meet their day-to-day demands and of course obvious hunger and statistics that are that are unheard of the 75 percent of the Lebanese population will need some form of assistance and this is this is outrageous and I was supposed to do an episode also uh, with uh, with two friends but that we kind of agreed and one sort of suggested before that maybe the emotions are too high that it might not be a nuanced conversation and um, just it's not even if there's an IMF bailout even if there's some agreement and today there's an economic reform plan and whatever that thing was that was signed today even if things just sort of take one step back Let's assume the lira uh, and its, it's rapid free fall is sort of curtailed and that 3500 uh, float rate idea takes hold. It's easy to imagine a situation where the source of the problem comes out victorious. And the reason I'm doing this episode tonight is because the episode that was pulled from YouTube, probably for copyright reasons, strikes at the core of the issue there is a source that needs to be challenged. So that is the protector today of the rotten regime. And it's the protector because it turned this regime into something that serves its interests. The fact that you had, up until October, November last year, the fact that you had a prime minister who was nominally opposed to that group, but also willing to do a lot of dealings with that group, at least in terms of preserving political capacity, falling into a trap that is too familiar, getting cornered, and then entering a hostage-like crisis. I think that uh, the fact that the source was able to put the prime minister in that, in that position speaks volumes. The fact that there was a president, there is a president who opposed the Syrian regime and and went to war against this regime and and was shouting and screaming from the top of his lungs while in Paris about that regime and about the source, too. Um, That he's now doing their bidding. The fact that he defends the regime next door. The fact that he's more than happy to address the source's security concerns. And the fact that he, in a way, ensured his return to Baabda, through the source, itself speaks volumes. The fact that the speaker of Parliament has managed to present himself as a less likable alternative to the source, and that's his, that's his strength, that you know the alternative actually comes out looking better. I think, um, I think the source preserves a regime that preserves the source. And that's the dance. So that was the point of that YouTube episode that I released, that violence will not diminish that that group's uh, capabilities. On the contrary, and he said it, my father said it in that episode, militia breeds militia. And that's true. And that's what he saw in the early 1970s. And that's never far away from Lebanon. But you do need to challenge the source's capabilities. And you need to be confrontational politically and without violence. And it seems like even that stage, the attempt to address those concerns diplomatically, politically, through the system that Lebanon inherited, uh, that seems to be off the table. It's almost like a, uh, it's too difficult of a subject to address and therefore we leave it to other countries to solve it for us doesn't work. that simply doesn't work. And the protesters that went to the street chanted a slogan that resonated kellon yani kellon, and that includes the source. The moment there's nuance and there's it's sort of like an exempt strategy to sort of just leave that out of the equation altogether. It is everyone's right to criticize all the people, all the politicians that have contributed to Lebanon's decline, but it's not right to leave the source out of the story. It's not right. And then it comes out into a sort of like, what is, tru- what is truth and what is fiction? And any attempt at addressing the reality and just the facts, a lot of, uh, a lot of fiction is brought out as fact. And there's, there's mythology here. And uh, I just don't see any reason why Lebanon should be the only country on planet Earth designed in such a mutated way to protect a militia's security arrangement with a host state and do, and do its foreign policy biddings. I, I just don't see the reason for that. And uh, rationalizing it and trying to sort of sugarcoat it with all this mythology, I think, is reckless. And it's, uh, it's basically the reason why Lebanon doesn't work. And again, I said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Yes, this is a broken record. It'll be repeated over and over and over. Now, I'm a bit upset for a number of reasons. First, getting an episode pulled is in itself, you know, you spend hours and hours of editing and, and doing a lot of work. And this is up to eight hours of just trying to get the right words out and, sh- and just fixing it. Uh, when it. When it gets pulled, you sort of waste a day of work. So that said uh i'm here to just basically um fill that little gap and i'm going to now share a blog post which i've been doing regularly and i appreciate everyone who's been encouraging this more and more the uh i should say from now everyone's message i am reading them and i'm replying to them one by one a lot of suggestions a lot of feedback i'm taking and even in terms of ideas to discuss and maybe other people to interview, keep sending them, I check them. These Facebook messages, Instagram messages, um, I'm looking at them, so keep doing it. You just need to follow on social media. Uh, Twitter, I believe, as well. I got a few messages, and I mean, if you're into that, just send DM me on, on Twitter. Uh, it's an open page, so you can do that. Um, one person will we'll remain nameless, uh, nameless, sorry, nameless, that's not English, nameless, uh, told me I need to lose weight because I'm filling up too much of the screen. I'm getting too fat. So the reason I'll say that this friend will remain nameless is because, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, she has a gravitational orbit herself. So she's not exactly the thinnest of the, of the friends I have. So that's for her. You won't know who it is, but she will know when she when she watches this. So, what is that? What do they say? Don't throw stones in glass houses, or whatever whatever that phrase is that applies to her. Yeah, I think she needs to maybe lose weight before she tells me to lose weight. This is all said and fun. Um, anyway, and that's that's probably the riskiest content I've released so far on YouTube. So if this episode gets pulled, it's her fault, not mine. The blog post that I want to share this evening is called true or false this is a blog post that was released in July 2012 so it goes back to a little bit earlier than the previous uh, blog posts but it still addresses the source and when I say source and I keep saying it over and over for this episode it's clear I mean a militia doesn't matter what that militia is and hence the importance of my father's piece that I shared It could have been the Syrian regime in the 1970s and 1980s. It could have been Arafat before that, and the PLO based in Lebanon. The idea that there are weapons beyond the state's control in Lebanon. It's not about the Palestinian cause. It's not about minority rights. It's about weapons beyond state authority. So the PLO in Lebanon, 1970s, and Assad, and the Syrian regime in the 1980s and 90s. And today, it's a militia. It's a militia that is running the security parameters of the country and has found its way into indirectly subverting all sectors of Lebanese uh, politics, economics, and uh, and uh, the well-being of Lebanese society. And this blog is addressing two things: it's addressing truth, and it's addressing fiction and after looking at the piece today there are nine points and there's simply no truth and I'll share it here true or false the national dialogue is meant to bridge the gap between two points of view on how to defend Lebanon false the gap is not between two views the gap is between the Lebanese Constitution which gives the state exclusive authority over all armed forces in the country and the presence of a military organization associated with one party and operating outside the constitution and authority of the state which represents all the Lebanese people. Differences of views about the various military and non-military elements that should constitute the national defense strategy are debatable, but it is the government that has the responsibility of putting together such a strategy. In any event, no defense strategy can breach the basic constitutional principle of complete state sovereignty and authority over all arms. 2. Those who object Hezbollah's maintenance of an independent armed force want to deprive Lebanon from a much-needed military capability. False. The objection is to Hezbollah's authority over the weapons and not to Lebanon maintaining them. What is needed is a concrete and workable transition plan that will enable the Lebanese army to take over and integrate that capacity into its own arsenal and organizational setup. It may take some time. The dialogue committee should set the objective and let the experts draw up the roadmap. 3. Hezbollah's independent military force has been made legal by the reference to the resistance and the ministerial declaration endorsed by Parliament. False. Ministerial declarations cannot make constitutional what is not. The vague reference to Hezbollah in the infamous army-people-resistance tripod, together with the principle of full state authority, and the same ministerial declaration was intended as constructive ambiguity. But even if the oblique reference to Hezbollah, as one leg of the tripod, is made explicit in a ministerial statement or in government declarations, it would not make it constitutional. It would only make its unconstitutionality more transparent. Moreover, Although the Ministerial Statement is endorsed by Parliament, the principles of the Constitution supersede any legislation or vote of confidence in the government. 4. The President's primary role in the national dialogue should be to mediate between the two sides in order to reach a compromise. False. The President can play the role of mediator to bridge policy differences and help reach compromises, but the President is the guardian of the Constitution and state sovereignty and cannot be viewed as a mediator on the matter under discussion in the National Dialogue. He should naturally play a leading role in charting a transition, from where we are now to a fully constitutional situation, where state authority is exclusive and complete. There can be no compromise on the end result. The Lebanese army command should play a primary role in helping the president draw up a workable transition, in coordination with Hezbollah, as practically and logistically needed, March 14 is a very interested party, but it is not the counterparty to Hezbollah. The state is. 5. It is possible for a sovereign state to have an independent armed force outside its authority as long as part of the country's territory is occupied. False. Occupation of territory in itself, even if fully recognized as such under international law, does not allow or make legal a duality of authority over armed forces. Only if there are citizens under occupation where state authority does not extend can people and groups assume the responsibility of armed resistance, independent of official state institutions from which they are practically cut off. That was the case in the South and part of the Bekaa until May 2000. Fortunately, and thanks to the sacrifices of the legitimate resistance supported by the whole nation, no Lebanese people are under occupation today. Shaba'a Farms in northern Ghajar have no bearing on Hezbollah's claim to an independent military responsibility, whether for liberation or defense. 6. Hezbollah's independent military capability protects Lebanon by providing a deterrence against Israel. False. Any military capability in Lebanon, including that of Hezbollah, has a deterrence effect. But in this case, one needs to weigh Hezbollah's deterrence against the additional risks that the status quo carries. These include, Lebanon being targeted as a de facto ally of Iran, Hezbollah is in a declared alliance with Iran. The deepening of Lebanon's sectarian fault lines, unavoidable given Hezbollah's character. The erosion of state authority, Hezbollah is perceived as the mightier of the two. And the inevitably infectious spread of illegal weapons. Weapons that protect weapons and weapons against weapons that protect weapons. Netting the costs and benefits, it is difficult to see how Lebanon is being better protected by Hezbollah's current status. Deterrence does protect when it is in the hands of the legitimate armed forces and under the collective authority of the state. This should be the aim. 7. Hezbollah's military capability and its alliance with Iran are intended against Israel. So can't we leave them alone and let Hezbollah do its thing? false Lebanon is one country and a very small and delicate one at that if there is a risk to part there is a risk to all if the south is attacked other parts Lebanese and other Lebanese cannot be indifferent we are in it together Lebanon is not a collection of autonomous groups or regions even in federal systems decisions on war and peace and authority over weapons are centralized. National defense is not an area for outsourcing or privatization. This is true for any country. For Lebanon, it is critical. 8. We need to agree on what kind of state we want before we address the weapons issue. No, we don't. The Lebanese system and constitution are neither perfect nor sacred, but we are not in the business of creating a country or state from scratch. We do have a unified state and an agreed constitution. If we view Lebanon as a country still in the making, we run the risk of other parties and communities arguing for their own autonomous armed capabilities, pending the establishment of a new and improved state. That would be disastrous. The Lebanese state has plenty of problems, but it is not at square zero. 9. All we need is to solve the matter of Hezbollah's independent weapons, and our problems will disappear. Of course not we have many other problems that also need to be addressed. Lebanon's increasingly dysfunctional political system and its ineffective public administration have fallen far short of what the Lebanese people are capable of, as individuals and as a society. From the archaic election law and other reforms in the Taif Accord yet to be implemented, the terrible condition of the country's infrastructure, to the grossly unsatisfactory environment for productive investment and job creation, There are many serious problems and urgent need for national attention. But underlying all these problems is a general failure of governance. The basic functioning of Lebanon's political system needs to be restored, with reasonably coherent governments being formed to reflect the expressed will of voters and not the balance of armed powers, and on the basis of transparent competition among policy, not narrow political platforms and choices and a reasonable degree of accountability. This obviously is a tall order. Removing the elephant does not cancel the need to tidy up the huge mess in the China store. But until that happens, tidying up will remain next to impossible. The elephant in the room, the source of the issue. I hope that that matter is brought front and center to the discussion. And I hope it's challenged effectively. And I hope uh, the average Lebanese citizen who wants a better country can freely express the need to live in a normal country. And as my father said, until that happens, until the big issue, until the big today protector of the rotten core of the regime is effectively debated, and thought of as something of the past, Uh, tidying up and repairing the post-war Lebanese thing that we all lived through, getting somewhere better, will remain next to impossible. Thank you.